Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Liz Lenovey, and I am joined by Amy Gunn. Hello. Erica Slater. Hey. And Elizabeth McNulty. Hi. And this is a very special episode because this is our first one where we are all recording remotely today. None of us are in the same room. So a bit of a bummer, but we're going to try to get through this as best we can because it's COVID and we have learned how to adapt. And adapting sort of fits into today's topic, which is changing jobs or even changing careers. I think right now for me personally, the point I'm at in my career five years out from law school is the time when I've noticed a lot of my friends and and fellow alumni from law school, it seems like this is the time where a lot of us are changing jobs. Uh, We've got enough experience under our belt where we can make that move, but we also haven't been at one job so long that it feels like we're giving up too much of a relationship that we've built up. I think additionally, though, an added layer on this is the fact that we are in the middle of this pandemic which has forced us all to work from home. I don't know how many articles I've read about this, but it seems like there is a pretty significant number of people who are now taking this work from home capability and turning this into a new job opportunity or career opportunity because you can pretty much work from anywhere now. And so this is a topic that just seems very prevalent in my life because of the people around me. So I did a little bit of work just researching, you know, what goes into changing a job or changing a career. And I found a statistic that the average person changes careers three to seven times in their life. And in this article, they list a number of statistics, which I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, The first one was a survey on why people changed career paths. And I'm going to preface this by saying people were allowed to choose more than one answer, which is why this is going to equal more than 100%. But 47% of people said for better pay, 39% of people said because their current job was too stressful, 37% said a better work-life balance, a 25% of people said they wanted a new challenge, and 23% said that they were just no longer passionate about their current field. Of participants in the survey who did make a career switch, 77% said they were happier, 75% said they were more satisfied, and 69% said they felt more fulfilled by their new job, which those are really big numbers. So I think that that's certainly not insignificant. Another thing that they pointed out, which kind of goes back to my original point about maybe why it seems like I'm constantly surrounded by people changing jobs or changing careers is age. Generations view their role in the workplace differently. And what the survey found was that younger generations and sort of focused on people my age, millennials, were 20% more likely to entertain a job change because of better pay or because their previous job was too stressful. And the survey found that millennials were, quote, less likely to have job loyalty, chasing roles that offer lower stress, a reasonable work-life balance, and better pay. So with all of that sort of background, I'm really interested to hear from the three of you about 
how you have forged your career path, how that career path has changed, what decisions went into that, and any other stories you might have about other friends who have made big career changes. And so Amy, maybe you can remind the listeners how your career trajectory has changed from law school to where you are now. Absolutely. I interviewed on campus the fall of my second year, had a great interview, and was offered a job. So I did that summer clerkship at that law firm, and before the end of that summer, was offered a position to start after law school. And the first few years of practice, it's very much about trying just to figure out what it means to be a lawyer. I don't remember having a whole lot of time to wonder or to analyze whether I was happy there, whether I was being fulfilled by the work. You're just so dang busy. But I loved being busy. And after a few years, you do start feeling like you have some marketable skills. You do have a little bit of time to step back. At least that was my experience to step back and say, is this where I want to be the rest of my career? And I very much enjoyed my first five years. It was a mid-sized defense firm. I really enjoyed the people. But I was having some changes in my personal life, including getting married and starting to decide whether we wanted to start a family. My firm was across the river in Illinois, and we'd always lived in Missouri. So I knew for childcare that this was going to be a decision that we were going to have to really think about. Was the baby going to be with me near my office or stay in St. Louis near my husband? And that that thought just really bothered me, not you know being 30, 30 miles away from my baby. So what had happened is I got pregnant and really around the same time frame, before I even told my current firm, I got a call from John Simon. We had had a case against each other that had wrapped up a few weeks before and they were looking to add a new attorney. I had an opportunity to do plaintiff work. Plaintiff's work really did fit my politics a little bit more. It fit my desire a little bit more, the idea that I could represent people and help them. I know as trite as that sounds, that's still the way I look at doing plaintiff's trial work is that really are able to solve people's problems and help them. But honestly, all things being equal, John's firm was closer to home. And sometimes those decisions just make themselves on real simple grounds like that. But it strikes me, Liz, when you read those statistics, why people change career paths. And I wonder if it's truly a career change or if it's just a little fork in the road going a little bit of a different path, but on the same career. Because I think over the years, I can say, even though I've been at the same firm for 18 years, Plus, I can say that the, the work that I do has changed. About 10 years ago, I pivoted into some mass tort work, and that has been very rewarding in its own way. The last three or four years, I've pivoted into some advocacy in our state capital that takes up a lot of time that I truly enjoy. So I think you do control, even though you stay in the same career in the same firm, don't overlook the opportunity to create for yourself a little bit different path. And I would encourage everyone who feels like maybe they're hit a plateau at their firm or in their career, 
what is available to you inside that firm? I find a lot of places, it's just up to you and your creativity to change your own path. And I hope that everyone feels like they can make changes within their firm without making big changes. But at the same time, making big changes can be also very, very rewarding. And Erica, I know you've got a pretty similar story to Amy in that you went from a mid-sized defense firm over to Simon, sort of also because John gave you a call. What was the motivator for you for switching jobs, going from the defense side to the plaintiff side? So I want to jog back a little bit. When you were talking about kind of the difference in generations as far as workplace loyalty and things like that, so my mom's a nurse and my dad is an engineer. My dad has worked at two companies my entire life, and I was like shocked when he like went to a competitor when I was a teenager. And I was like, oh man, that seems like a real shakeup. And my mom is one of the nurses that answers the poison control hotline. And she has worked there, like I think she started a couple months before I was born. So she's been there over 35 years. My dad has had two different workplaces in 35 years plus. And so that has been my example. So I kind of already started on this trajectory of like, oh, you stay where you start kind of mentality. But obviously when I got to law school and you start using your internships, you know, to kind of learn where you might want to go after law school, I don't know if I'm just not creative, but the two internships I had my two summers in law school really pointed me in the direction of where I wanted to go long term in our career. So one position I had uh, was a summer at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Missouri. And then my second summer, I came to Simon and clerked doing exactly what I thought I wanted to do long term. And it had a similar air of prestige in the fact that we were working on really important cases. And I was doing the type of work that I would be doing as an attorney as a law student. You know, I was doing the same type of thing that a lot of people do their first year out of law school. So I graduated from law school in 2011, and I was lucky enough to start at a really good defense firm that I could get a lot of experience at. So I got this idea that I wanted to stay long enough to kind of kick off those training wheels the first couple of years of practicing, but I also didn't want to just jump to leave. Um, or take the first thing that came around. I wanted to make sure that when I made a firm change that I would do that thoughtfully and wait for the right opportunity. Erica, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. So how many years out were you when you were making that particular decision? About not taking some of the opportunities that came along? Right. One came at a year and a half, the first one, and it just wasn't the right firm. And I thought it was maybe too soon. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had that idea of, you know, that loyalty and, you know, I'm not ready yet. I didn't feel marketable yet. And then the second opportunity was, I think it was more like 
between two and two and a half years. Okay. And that was the one that just really wasn't the right fit as far as the position. Like I never wanted to make a career move based on, I just don't like where I'm at. So I'm going to take the first thing that comes because I could stick it out. (laughs) I was single. I didn't have a family. Like it was just me to take care of and my dog (laughs) and we could, we could hang. It was fine. And I did trust myself and I'm so glad I did because when I was about three years practicing, I got a call from John one day and I'm sure Amy had a little bit to do with that too. (laughs) I of course was so happy to be invited back. And that really went back to where I thought my career might go. So I've been here going on, I guess it's been over six years. And you know, this is a long-term gig for me that I'm, I stopped doing that thing where I'm planning my next step And now my brain goes to, you know, cultivating my career here as opposed to sitting in a holding pattern, figuring out my next pivot. So, Erica, again, what strikes me is you asked yourself a couple of questions. Do I like what I'm doing, number one, and do I like where I'm doing it? And those are two vastly different things because the answer to the question, do I like what I'm doing, was yes. Right. Right. When I meet with younger women or women in any place or anybody where they are in their career and and they're not entirely satisfied or not happy, you have to ask yourself both those questions. What don't I like when I wake up in the morning? What gives me dread? Is it what I have to work on? Is it who I have to work with? It's where where I have to go to do it. It's incumbent upon yourself when you have that dread in your gut, in your heart, wherever it's coming from, you've got to evaluate what's causing it. The grass is not always greener. But if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know, I, I really don't like where I am or I don't really like what I'm doing, you have choices. Please, please know that you have choices and you have opportunities. The one thing I can say with certainty is graduating with a JD and working in the legal field is not closing doors. It, it just is not closing doors. And I know a lot of people say, oh, go, go to business school, don't go to law school. I couldn't disagree more. I just have never believed that having a law degree is going to hamper your opportunities ever. So if you're sitting out there with a law degree and you're just not exactly happy with where you are or what you're doing, just give it some thought. You're going to find someplace that's going to make you happy. Liz, tell us your journey. During law school, I interned at a couple different places. And during my second year, after my second year of law school, going into my third year, I clerked at Simon and I really loved the experience. But the way our firm works is we often don't hire immediately out of law school. So I went and worked also at a mid-sized defense firm and I was getting along pretty well there. I like the people I worked around. They did give me an opportunity to really dive right in. And about maybe seven months in, about that, I got a phone call from Amy and my door was open. 
And the reason my door to my office was open was I had been told, keep your door open in case a partner wants to walk by and, and pop in and say hi to you. It's a good way to make sure the partners know your face. So I always kept my door open. <laughs> so then Amy calls and like a moron, I have it on speakerphone and I'm, you know, click clacking away at my laptop and I'm talking to Amy and she said, something along the lines of, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, a potential job opportunity. And I remember I, I kept the phone in one hand. I reached my leg across <laughs> the room to kick my door shut so that if any of those partners walked by, they didn't hear me talking about a different job opportunity. I was trying really hard to play it cool. <laughs> because I, I think I said something along the lines of, oh, you know, I'd, I just I'd really love to talk to my boyfriend about this because I was not yeah, married. I got to think kid. about it. And Amy was like, I don't care. Talk to whoever you want. <laughs> just let me know when you're done deciding. <laughs> and um, I remember texting my boyfriend who we've been together for, for forever, now husband. And he saw how happy I was when I was clerking there and how much I wanted to go back there. And I remember texting him, explaining what had happened in the phone call and him texting me back in all caps. The answer is yes. <laughs> Let her know. Why are you even asking me this? <laughs> caps, sent it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was probably a dumb move on my part. I probably should have just said yes, because in my heart, I knew that doing the kind of work that we do at Simon is, like you said, Amy, more in line with my politics. It's more of it just fits my personality better. It's nothing against defense work. I just knew that it would be work that I was more passionate about. And it also gave me the opportunity to work, frankly, with more women, which I was very excited about. So I, I took that opportunity and I've been there. I guess I'm coming up on this spring, it'll be five years, which is wow. hard to believe. Wild. When I was trying to prepare for this topic, I realized I'm probably the worst person to lead on this topic because <laughs> I was not actively looking for another job opportunity. The phone call just came and I took it. It just sort of worked out. But it's interesting, Erica, you brought this up because of the stats I brought up and it made me think of the story a couple months ago, back when travel was still safe, I was sitting in an airport with a defense attorney. We had gone to a location out of town. We both flew the same airline, same airport. So we were going to fly back together. And we were sitting in the airport eating a meal. He is older than me. But something he brought up to me was a bit of a gripe about millennials and something along the lines of, you know, your generation doesn't know how to be patient. If, if you want to be in this career, you got to be patient. You got to you got to put in the time and you got to work. And if you want that book of business, you, you, you got to wait your turn. You know, I waited my turn. You all need to wait your turn. And so I, you know, put in a perspective of, well, when people don't wait and they leave, are they leaving for more money? I mean, do you know how much they have in student loans? Do you know how much it costs to raise a family compared to what it was when you graduated from law school? I, I, you know, there's lots of different factors. Also, it's a good market. I mean, what are you doing to keep people at your firm? What are you doing to make sure that they also want to keep working for you? And so, Elizabeth, as someone who is younger than me... <laughs> Is this something that you and your friends talk about? I think you're starting to get into that age group too, where 
people are starting to consider job changes as well. I think money isn't always the biggest driving factor, especially in our field, because it's kind of the same wherever you go. Maybe not the same, but it's pretty even, especially when you're first starting out. So I think that there are other factors that go into it. Firm culture, I think, is kind of like a buzzword that people just use. But I do think that it really matters. And that leads into like, how happy are you when you go to work and the people around you kind of feed into that. So I don't know a lot of people that are having these conversations now just because of the pandemic. And it's come into my mind during the conversation that we've been having today is if you were unhappy maybe before all of this started, and I think maybe you would consider, should I think about my job, my current role? Should I look to move? But I think that if it's something that you've maybe realized during COVID, I would maybe punch the brakes a little because I've heard of people, you know, this is a crazy time. So I've heard of people leaving their job, going to a different place, and then still being unhappy and feeling some regret. So I think that that's something that needs to be considered when we think about changing careers. As, as this, It feels like we've been living in this pandemic for a really long time now, but it will end at some point. And so maybe your job isn't the reason that you aren't happy. It's just the current state of affairs. And onboarding at a new job right now would be so difficult. I mean, yeah. so much of the good stuff that happens is getting introduced to a new group of people that you work with and learning a firm or company's culture. And that's just going to be different right now. So a job that you might be really successful in, you may not know that. Yeah. And I think it would be really hard to get a feel for what that would be like at a potential job through a Zoom interview. My story is a little boring. I was lucky enough to find the job I always wanted right out of the gate. So I don't have a whole lot to add to this conversation other than that. If this is piquing your interest and you're thinking about doing this, I'd give it just a second thought and make sure it's really what you want to do. I've seen some people doing it and they've had some regret in the end. So, I think a really hard decision to make that none of us have had to deal with, fortunately, is if you are a mid-level attorney and you're at a firm where there is an associate and a partner track, if you will, or you stay at a firm and you may become partner in the future, if you are struggling at that point in your career and that's not working the way you want it to, making that decision whether to leave a firm if they are not making you partner and what you do about that. I think that's a really, really hard situation to encounter because you've put in so much time, effort, and spent really good years of your career at a firm that you thought that that was going to be, you know, the next step. And so being faced with that decision, I think, can be really difficult. I have some friends who have gone through that or, you know, just colleagues that I've had at other firms and each have kind of dealt with that in a different way. Amy, did you have a lot of people out of your group or colleagues that jump ship right before partner or <laughs> or right after they didn't make it? I think just about everyone that I'm aware of that I was in law school with has had more than one job at more than one firm. I, I joke because my husband is we joke that he can't keep a job. He's had so many different <laughs> changes, uh, although he's been in his current place for place. 
his own firm <laughs> for five years. And that's so kind he of likes, a record. He likes his boss. <laughs> so he's, yeah, yeah, he's okay with his own boss. My husband is in energy policy. He was on the uh, Missouri Public Service Commission. He's involved in politics. He's got energy clients. He's got so many different areas that you can legitimately expound upon because of that law degree. And I, it just breaks my heart to think that some people feel like they're stuck because you're not. And I don't want to say it's a lack of creativity on their part. If you're someplace that you're really just not feeling respected or treasured even, then think about think about making a move. I think the millennial opinion on this is very instructive. I love the idea that culture is important. I, I love the idea that it's just not about, I owe this company and I'm happy to have a job and it is what it is and status quo is always going to be the way it is. I really respect that opinion because I think it's changing the legal culture and hopefully other business cultures for the better. We have to be whole people and I truly believe that I'm a better lawyer when I'm a happier person taking care of myself first to be able to take care of my clients and my staff and my business. And I think the younger you can learn that lesson, the better you are. So I'm proud of the millennials that speak up about it making culture and being respected and having time for yourself priorities career services people like to repeat the statistic that I think it's close to a third of people with JDs don't practice traditional law. And while that might be true, the reason I don't like to subscribe to it too much is that like a JD is really hard work and really expensive. So at least really think about <laughs> being a lawyer. But you're right. There's so many people who leverage that degree into other industries and positions and leadership positions that don't look like traditional litigation or transactional practice, which is so important. That makes me think of that statistic that always applies to women that they deselect themselves from a job. Like when they're reading the job description, they think if it says three to five years experience and you only have two, oh, I'm not qualified to apply for that job. Whereas a man might take a very different approach to that. So if you're looking at a job description that you're interested in and it may fit your skill set, but you have a JD and it requires an MBA or something like that, don't deselect yourself from that job. You know, that is where there are crossovers. Just as many people who have MBAs and aren't in a traditional business role, JDs do that same thing for anyone who's taken the time to go through the rigorous work to get it. Remember, we are all very accomplished analytical thinkers, which every industry needs in every capacity. So what I like to do is sort of crowdsource questions. And I, I put this up on my Instagram about, you know, do you have or, or have you considered you a job millennial. change? I know, I know. Peak millennial. Love you. One topic that came up amongst my friends is how do you talk to a current employer about the possibility of you leaving? And actually, I have a very close friend who 
is sort of in the middle of deciding whether or not he wants to change jobs. This opportunity came to him, but what I noticed is that he had talked to his current supervisor, and his current supervisor knows that if she loses him, that is a huge part of her team gone, but she was still very open and honest and encouraged him to pursue any opportunities that he might be interested in or that come his way, and I thought that that was a really interesting relationship. And I have to imagine not everyone has that relationship with their immediate boss or supervisor. And so if you don't have that relationship, what do you do about your current employer? Here's my advice, right or wrong. Never, ever, ever, ever go to your employer and tell them you are going to leave unless you intend to leave. Correct. And of course, we all know that sometimes when you tell an employer to leave, they may counter offer. Don't say you're going to leave. You finesse that by saying, I have an opportunity and a counter offer. I'd really like to stay here. I love my job here, but the amount of money is really making me think about it. Here's what they've offered. Can you beat it? And if they say no, then you need to leave or have made the decision that you're leaving. But yeah, I'd never approach it that way. You can really mess up a relationship and change your atmosphere and working environment. I guess the one caveat I have then is what about a situation where you have to provide references? It shouldn't be your current employer. Never do okay. that. Correct. And yeah, you use past references, never your current employer. And if that's a problem, which it usually never is, if you're in a professional field, give them a heads up that, you know, I'm obviously not talking to my current employer. They don't know I'm looking and they shouldn't. Any way you look at it, if you go to your employer and you say, you know, I'm looking for something else, that will be seen as being disloyal. And once you're seen as being disloyal, then any reaction from the employer adverse reaction from the employer will seem justified. Do you know, it's it's just, you've been disloyal first, you're out. I have never liked the idea of bidding, you're trying to get into some kind of bidding war like that. I was never comfortable. You know, that kind of came up when I was making a decision when I did many years ago. And I just didn't feel comfortable because which is it? Do I want to stay here for more money or do I want to go somewhere else? I mean, what is the deciding factor? If it's just money, then just go in and ask for a raise and, and see what happens and let them satisfy you without going through this whole, you know, looking for another job and making a decision that way. There are other people in your life who aren't your employer who can help you make that decision. So the last topic that I want to cover is for anyone who is listening to this and is feeling stuck in a job or is considering maybe making a change, how do you go about generating those opportunities for yourself? Elizabeth, I'm going to pitch it to you. You have to foresee this happening within your career. So every job, every encounter you have professionally, you have to work very hard and make such a good impression on those people that they think of you when those opportunities come up. So I remember when I was clerking in my first year, that it seemed like maybe not every other clerk that I encountered was taking it as seriously as I was, but it was because these are all connections that you're making, whether you find your job with that firm for postgrad or, you know, if you find yourself needing a job in the next five years. So I think that 
students that are in internships or clerkships or anyone that's maybe in an entry level position. Networking is important, but you know, putting in the work at your current job can kind of help you when these situations arise. And then your professional connections are also really important. So it kind of goes back to reputation, which I think is kind of something that we harp on a lot of how important that is, especially in our industry, but really in any professional industry, your reputation is is everything and it definitely precedes you. And I remember when I had put in my two weeks at my last job before coming back to Simon, one of the attorneys on my team, I didn't directly work for her, but I did have some cases I was helping her out with. She was getting ready for trial. She was short on people. I stayed late a couple of nights just to help her prepare for trial. And I remember someone walking by one of these nights I stayed late and said something to me like, you put in your two weeks, you know, you don't have to be here. And my response was, she needed help. I'm here. It's fine. And the way I look at it as maybe she doesn't remember that. Maybe not all of the attorneys remember that, but hopefully someone does. And I'm not saying that I'm looking for an opportunity in the future, but I do think, you know, building up that goodwill, putting in the work and not burning bridges when you leave a job is really important going forward, whether you're looking for another job or not. Amy, what advice do you have about generating opportunities? Distinguish yourself in your work every day with what Elizabeth says and Liz, what you're saying, work hard, be a good lawyer, appreciate your job, appreciate the people that you work with, whether it's where you want to be permanently or long-term or not, just be a good lawyer. And oftentimes when you distinguish yourself in that way, good things will come your way. However, not always, so it usually takes a little bit more than that. And that's where you get into networking. That's where you get into join organizations. Get yourself in front of employers, in front of people that you want to work with someday. My opportunity with John Simon came because we were, again, against each other on a case. I can tell you that if I had not done a good job on that case or been impressive in my, my skills in that case, John Simon would not have called me after that case. So that's just evidence of doing a good job and being conscientious and a hard worker and having ethics. It, that follows you around. And if you're doing it conscientiously and believing in yourself and the work that you're doing, usually good things will follow. But you can't count on it just finding you. You do have to get out there. And if you're looking for a new opportunity, you, you need to make sure you're in front of people who can create that or give you that opportunity. Erica? We have a saying around our firm that if you start marketing when you need cases, you're way behind the ball. And I feel the same way about networking and, and keeping connections in relation to finding your next job. And even though I'm not currently looking for a job or don't perceive doing that, you know, in the, any foreseeable future, I never stop making connections with other attorneys 
And, you know, I'm not sitting here looking, keeping my ears out for the next opportunity, but I am in relation to putting people together in the sense that, you know, I have friends and colleagues who might be looking to change jobs. And if you stay in that conversation, you being the person who puts people together is really, quite frankly, a great networking thing to do. So never stop learning about what's out there. Never stop cultivating the connections that you've made with other attorneys or people from other companies. And to what Elizabeth said about really always putting the time and work ethic and professionalism into the job you're in, even if you're unhappy or you know you won't be there, like a clerkship for a law student, those people will become your references. So you may have, you know, one job that you start in and you learn you don't like that firm. When you go to look for a different job a year out, you're going to be reaching back to your clerkship attorneys that you worked with or the teachers and professors that you worked for in law school. So keep that in mind. You know, it's your work history follows you and it goes back far. So if you always keep that top of mind, then that's the best way to continue to be ready to meet an opportunity when it comes up. So don't get too comfortable anywhere or don't put your head under the sand, you know, when you're going through a couple of months of being really busy. Think about the long game. So I think that these have all been great tips. And I'll say through the research that I've been doing in preparation for today and as well as our conversation, I think it really comes down to taking an assessment of three really important things when you're trying to decide whether or not you want to make such a move. First, you know, assessing your current job. What are the pros? What are the cons? Your likes, your dislikes? What can be changed? What can't be changed? Assessing the market. What else is out there? That is something that's really important, especially right now while we are sort of in an economic downturn. But most importantly, I think taking an assessment of yourself. What are your interests? What are your passions? What are your abilities? And also, what are your immediate needs? So thank you, ladies, for a great discussion. If any of our listeners have any questions or any tips yourselves or your own stories, please feel free to send them to us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Remember, new episodes of Heels in the Courtroom drop every Wednesday. So until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.